successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Get a hooter. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Welcome to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on Talk 980 AM and on Talk980AM.com. Appreciate you also connecting with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and on Instagram at Jason Grill as well as on Snapchat. I'm on all the social medias at Jason Grill uh, and also on GrillNationShow.com and on Talk980AM.com. I want to thank all of our partners partners and supporters of Grill Nation, Crutcher Heartland, Bank of Kansas City, The Bash Group, Andrew Bash, Kenny Hertz Perry, Attorneys at Law, John Kenny Hertz, Catalyst Government Affairs, and Danny Pfeiffer, The Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange, Jay Rieger & Co., and Ryan Maybe. Kansas City Power and Light District, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. I hope you're having a great week. Thanks to all our partners and supporters of Grill Nation with Jason Grill, and uh, very excited to have everyone on board. Uh, the week has been great here in Kansas City. We've had uh, football, we've had Tech Week, we've had all kinds of different things, but I'm very excited today to have uh, one of our guest hosts and contributors of Grill Nation, Ryan Maybe from the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange, and Jay Rieger and Co. in studio today for his quarterly show. How are you, Ryan? I'm great, man. Glad to be back. Good to have you. Um, let's talk about our guests first, then we'll catch up with you. Uh, this is really going to be a cool show. In our second segment today, we have Howard Hanna, who is a chef and owner of the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange. He works with you, obviously. He's got a great story to tell. He's He uh, worked in New York uh, for many years. uh, At my my favorite restaurant in New York. Yes, uh, we'll get into that. Um, What is that called again? Union Square Cafe. Union Square Cafe. uh, Worked with Danny Meyer, who is a famous uh, restaurant entrepreneur, obviously. He's He's, a legend. He's a legend in New York and throughout the world. He's he's opened places like Union Square Cafe. Emerson Tavern. Emerson Tavern. um, Shake Shack. Shake Shack. A lot of people know him for that. Uh, so we're going to talk to Howard about um, kind of his background. We're going to talk about the chef industry. We're going to talk about the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and some exciting things to look forward to and uh, what he's really excited about uh, and get into that in our second segment today. going to be a good segment, right? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he's a good guy. I'd never, I'm looking forward to meeting him in person. I've just seen him behind the counter there and uh, in the kitchen there at the Rieger. Uh, he's, he's awesome, man. I couldn't ask for, for anything more in a, in a business partner and, and a chef. And I love how you say you always see him there at the the counter because when you walk into the Rieger in the front door it's that long rectangular kind of shotgun space and it's like Howard is always the center focal point because he's always right there at the expo line in the mm-hmm. kitchen making sure that everything that goes out is just right and you just see him as like the kind of the heart and soul of the room. Yeah, great guy. He's a great guy and uh, we'll have him in our second segment and then our third and fourth segments today. Very excited to have on Dave Pickrell who's a uh, Basically, he's a senior engineer and master distiller for Oakview Spirits. He's a consultant now. He's had his own company. He consults with and starts basically whiskey bourbon brands all across the country. And uh, But the good thing about him that's really interesting is he was the master senior distiller and the VP of operations of Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark's Whiskey in uh, yeah, Louisville. Little, little, little bourbon little out of bourbon, Kentucky. Yeah, little bourbon company. And uh, he was there for 14 years. So basically from 94 to 2008, he was kind of there for all this taking off and he was uh well the whiskey market has just blown up uh over the last five years but really it started before before that because 20 years ago uh 
it, there were big bourbon brands that we know of today, like Jim Beam and Wild mm-hmm. Turkey and uh, and companies like that that have been around for a long time. They couldn't give their stuff away. They were literally putting their whiskey in 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 kitschy ceramic bottles, just trying to move it, and they couldn't do it. And now you're seeing it; it's completely reversed, where the the demand is far outweighing the supply. And Dave's one of the guys that has helped make that happen. Dave is, and uh, he'll be calling us from Louisville today. And uh, it's going to be interesting to talk about Maker's Mark and how it kind of grew. I mean, from I mean, he'll get into the different barrels and all the different sizes, but I mean, it's the third largest bourbon brand in, in the world, I think. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and uh, he was there kind of along for the ride, and uh, real interesting guy. He went to West Point, played football there, and uh, it's just a really big personality. We're going to talk about kind of what he does and how he helps uh, different companies throughout the United States and talk about his background at Maker's Mark and how he helped lead that co- the company to grow so quickly. And then he's also doing some stuff we'll get into with uh, George Washington uh, and Mount Vernon <laughs> Distillery and uh, some really cool stories. He's been to Kansas City. He's he's helping, obviously going to be helping out or has helped out Jay Rieger and Co. too, right, Ryan? Yeah, he's been a, a really great resource for us at Jay Rieger and Company. I mean, obviously starting a distillery, there's a lot involved, you know, from just the the planning of it and, and getting the right equipment and the right location and knowing what, what kind of uh, infrastructure you need and then uh, working with the government, the federal regulations and everything. And so he's, he's the guy where when we have a question, you know, we call him up and, and he's got an answer for us and, and he knows, he knows it all. Yeah. And we're going to have him on for two segments today, which is great. And uh, we'll get into that government stuff too. It's going to be interesting to see. I want to talk to him about different states that have uh, maybe some interesting laws uh, when it comes to distilleries and which states really are being very supportive of that. I believe we'll get into um, states like New York and uh, Oregon and Washington have been very uh, supportive of the uh, distillery industry and uh, the bourbon industry. So we'll get into that too with Dave Pickerel, who is a former master distiller and VP operations of Maker's Mark and also the uh, senior engineer and master distiller at Oakview Spirits. Um, Ryan, what's up with you, man? Uh, I know you just came off of a uh, pop fest. What was that all about uh, in Kansas city the last few weeks? Well, pop fest is now in its, uh, Really, it's fourth year, and it's a, about a four-day-long festival that's sort of uh, – it, 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 Pop Fest is short for Paris of the Plains, so it's the Paris of the Plains Cocktail Festival, and really it's a, it's a celebration of Kansas City's history and culture. Um, it's kind of centered around uh, the bar industry and, and cocktails in general, but what we have – uh, we have seminars, uh, for several days where you can learn, uh, from some of the best experts in the industry about different subjects. Like we, uh, we did a really amazing rum seminar. Uh, we did a seminar on aromatized wines and vermouths. And so if you, if you really want to geek out about some of these things, uh, there is that educational element, but then we turn it around at night and it's all cocktails, cocktail parties and live music. Mm-hmm. And we use a lot of different venues all over the city. Yeah. That so was the question. It's all over Kansas City. It's well, you know, we, we try to keep it somewhat centrally. Located in downtown the crossroads. So we have some hotel partners down there and use a lot of the, um, uh, event spaces in the, the crossroads and downtown area and, and try to keep it in that area just so it's more accessible. It's easier to walk from one place to another and easier to get to. Uh, for a couple of years, we had it spread out and we had to provide, uh, buses and transportation and stuff. And it was a logistical nightmare, but keeping it downtown, I think is a, a better way to go. It makes it a little bit more, uh, pedestrian friendly and, mm-hmm. and, uh, get to, get to learn more about the city itself. How is think, how are things going at the restaurant? Uh, rock and rolling. It's, uh, the restaurant's great. The Rieger and, uh, Manifesto are both doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rieger is about to celebrate, uh, its fifth anniversary. We will be five years old officially on December 20th. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, the building, the Rieger Hotel was built in 1915. So this mm-hmm. is our centennial. This is our 100 year anniversary. And we're going to do some events next month to, uh, to celebrate that. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, got a great happy hour there from three to six. Oh, People absolutely. are listening. If they can't get there, if they can oh, yeah. have other dinner plans, <laughs> stop by there. It's, uh, You've had one of your best years, it sounds like. We're having, we're having our best year, absolutely. Best year, yeah. Yeah, and uh, which is really cool to think about it when 
you know, a lot of times a restaurant bar like that, you know, you kind of capitalize on the hype early on, you know, and, and it, you know, can be kind of a trendy thing. Mm-hmm. But then by year three, four, five, that's when it gets really challenging for a, for a lot of businesses. For like a lot us. of businesses, right? Right. Any business, really. I yeah. mean, if you got a product even like with your Jay Rieger and Co. Whiskey, uh, you guys are growing and obviously, but. What, you know, how do you take it to the next level in year three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Well, with the restaurant, I think it's just a matter of staying true to our, our, uh, principles and integrity and, and having a clear vision about who we are mm-hmm. and what our goals are and never swaying from that. So if, if the hype wears off a little bit, just keep pushing harder. You don't try and change things too quickly. You don't, that's one of the bigger mistakes I think business owners make is that they try to make, uh, big changes uh, a little too soon. So I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, now five years after opening, we're, we're doing better than ever because it's, uh, it's, it's a hard business to, to do that in. For sure. And you've had a lot of construction going on around your, there uh, is that as well, there, that hurdle as well. But it, fortunately that hasn't hurt us. It's just been a little bit of an eyesore, but I, I, I do believe it'll be, uh, for the better when it's all done. Very cool. Uh, Ryan maybe will be joining me for the whole hour today from the Riga Hotel Grill and Exchange. You're listening to Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. And uh, we're going to be right back after the break with Howard Hanna, who's the chef and owner of the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange. Thanks for listening. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on the wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the narrow. But I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra. And since I made it here, I can make it. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM and on talk980am.com. Appreciate you connecting with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Also, we have a website, grillnationshow.com. And Grill Nation Show on Instagram. I've been trying to post photos of all of our guests on our Instagram and on our website. You can also check out all of our old podcasts on GrillNationShow.com. Ryan Maybe, who is a Grill Nation contributor and co-host quarterly, is in studio again today. Uh, he is with the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and uh, Jay Rieger Whiskey. Jay Rieger Co. Whiskey. And company. Yeah, and uh, we are lucky to have on now... Uh, Howard Hanna, who's the chef and owner of the Rigger Hotel Grill and Exchange in downtown Kansas City. Welcome to the show, Howard. Thanks a lot. Good to how, be here. How are you? I've always wanted to meet you. I've seen you in the restaurant there, but I've never been able to meet you, and uh, I'm excited to have you on. Talk just kind of about your uh, your background. I know you, you went to high school in Manhattan, Kansas, but then you transitioned to New York, right? So you, you, were, you were trained in New York. That's right. I went to culinary school at the um, Culinary Institute of America. Uh-huh. It's up in Hyde Park, New York. Oh, sure. And uh, during that time, um, part of it is you do an externship where you go and work at a restaurant um, while you're still in school. And uh, I chose Union Square Cafe mm-hmm. in New York City and um, had really formative time there, being right next to the green market and around, you know, really some greats in the field. Um, learned a lot about hospitality as well as cooking. And uh, one of the people you, you worked under or worked with was uh, – Danny Meyer, and for listeners who maybe not know him very well, he's uh, kind of one of the big shots in New York. He's a legend. Right? He's a legend there. Yeah. Um, tell us a about what he's done in New York, and then tell us what you did with Danny. Well, I think really he. If you don't know Danny, you probably have heard of Shake Shack. That's why I hired <laughs> right. him. But he's also done other big things, obviously. That and you talked about that off air. Some of the restaurants that he's he started. Yeah, um, Union Square Cafe was his first, uh-huh. and um, really he was he was from the Midwest. He's from St. Louis, mm-hmm. and uh, got into the uh, restaurant business. And he loved New York City and the the 
energy there and all the different cultures. And there was a yeah. lot going on that really attracted him and he wanted to be there. But at the same time, he felt like there was something missing and it was sort of that Midwestern hospitality. Mm-hmm. And he basically brought that to fine dining and that, you know, it doesn't need to be a snooty, stuffy French maitre d' at the door. It can right. be someone who's has a genuine warm smile and really is happy that you're there and guides you through the experience of eating there. And, you know, since Union Square, he opened Gramercy Tavern and then it all sort of. So I need there. to go to Union Square. I need to go to the Gramercy, cafe, Gramercy, Gramercy Tavern. Tavern. Yeah. Um, I've been to Shake Shack. It's all over the place now. That's yeah. what people know him for now, I guess, because it's so big. Not in the restaurant industry. People like me who uh, like a good burger. Uh, but uh, I need to get over there. I've been to Union Square. A handful of times in my life, I've never been to the restaurant. So. It's absolutely beautiful. And when Howard and I first started talking about partnering uh, with the Rieger in 2010, our um, our interest in Danny Meyer and the style that he brought to uh, the restaurant business was something that we really connected on early on and, and had a, a mutual respect and appreciation for. Danny Meyer wrote a book called Setting the Table that is all about hospitality. And while it's really uh, applicable to the restaurant scene, it's also, I think it's very useful for just about any business, but that book is uh, inspiring and moving. And mm-hmm. we had both read it and Howard had worked there at Union Square Cafe, which is uh, without question my favorite restaurant in New York City. And so it was a really great way for us to uh, kind of have a mutual vision for the Rieger. That's awesome. Uh, and, you know, Howard, you came here, it's, it looks like in 2003. You traveled right. all around the country. I mean, in the world, actually, looking at your bio, you've been all over the place, right? Yeah, Many but, different countries. You've been out in California. You've been in New York and uh, came back to Kansas City in 2003 or came to Kansas City in 2003. Tell us what that was like and what happened then. I know you work for some restaurants here, too, in town. Yeah, well, I I really wanted to be back closer to home. Um, at the same time, I thought Kansas City was kind of large enough that I could do what I wanted to do with my mm-hmm. career. And um, I thought there was, you know, in a way it was wide open, even even that short amount of time ago. Um, the restaurant scene's changed a lot. and. Mm-hmm. It took about five years before I really felt like, okay, I'm definitely staying in KC. Um, at that point, there were a handful of great restaurants that I was interested in working at, but there weren't that many new things happening that were exciting. And um, really, in the last like five years, I'd say, um, a whole bunch of great places have opened, and it's a lot of people, you know, Ryan and I's age, that have been out in the world somewhere and are coming back home to do something here. And some of the new businesses opening, I think, are world-class and would would be a popular restaurant in Chicago or New York or San Francisco. That's good to hear because I always wonder about that. You guys are obviously in the industry, but how do we compare to restaurants in, in extremely large cities? You know, that's, that's always an issue for me. I mean, I know we're growing, yeah. uh, but when someone comes here from out of town, you know, you want to show off Kansas City. And uh, if they're from a big city, you know, they're kind of surprised, I think, too, when they come here and see Personally, fine dining. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the restaurant scene and the talent that exists here is as good as you'll find anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to look a little bit harder for it. There might be a, a, a little bit less notoriety. I mean, obviously, there are places where if you go to New York or San Francisco, you know, they've got Michelin stars. You know, we don't even have that rating system here. So they get a little bit more press and uh, accolades. But as far as, you know, just a level of talent, I mean, I would say that we can we're as good as anywhere really mm-hmm. how's the rieger been going i know that uh so when did you guys when did it open again we're coming up on our fifth fifth, fifth year, year anniversary that'll be december okay. 20th um and you know it's it's a work in progress it always will be but mm-hmm. it really feels good right now like mm-hmm. we've had slow and steady growth for four years and really right now it's suddenly our best year ever by a long shot like mm-hmm. we're a lot of things are just clicking and falling into place and things that we worked hard to create have really taken off. So, and, and again, like that's with construction going on too. Yeah. So. That's with a lot of, a lot of hurdles. Uh, 
You guys not only year, have, but, have a streetcar yeah. going up, you also have a new condo apartments next to you going up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's all kinds of uh, orange down there, right? There is, but, <laughs> but fortunately, you know, it hasn't uh, hasn't had too much of an impact on our, our business. Like Howard said, we're we're doing better than than we ever have, and I think you know, I think a lot of that is attributed to our staff. We have such an amazing crew down there, but also, you know, when we first opened the restaurant, we were trying to figure out, you know, what is our what's our concept? Like, who are we? What is the Rieger? And I think that now four years in, we're, we're hitting our stride in a groove that we, we haven't done before. And I don't know how, I mean, what do you think about like how we would define our food at this point? Because I think that that's what is clearly the most important thing. And it's, I feel like our, our personality is like really starting to come through with what we're doing. Yeah. I think like so many American chefs, you know, we sort of learn classic French techniques and then, we sort of have this love affair with Northern Italy and a lot of people, you know, are tempted by, you know, Japanese techniques and ingredients. And we have this really broad palette of techniques and flavors. Um, and in a way, as a young chef, it's hard to define, like, what's my food? Who, who am I? Who am I cooking for? Who am mm-hmm. I cooking with? And what do I have to say? It's unique and special. And I think we're getting there. I think yeah. like we're doing food that's really reflects the bounty of our region. We're, we're doing something that could only happen in the Midwest and we change the menu all the time and there's not, you know, staple dishes that stay on forever. But I think there's a recognizable thread that runs through all of our menus and it's, it's from here and it's about here and it makes sense in Kansas City. Is that common? Is, is it common to change the menu? Uh, I, it, or is it not common in Kansas City? Cause, cause you guys, I, I'm sure you have some customers <laughs> that come every week that are, that want what they want, right? And yeah. the seasons change, obviously. So the yeah, weather changes I mean, here. And, so. and that's what drives it for us is, you know, we change four times a year with the seasons. Yeah. So, you know, we're really close to pulling the trigger on the fall menu now, but I'm still getting good tomatoes. So, you know, <laughs> so as long as there's tomatoes, it's still summer to me. Um, but yeah, all the squash and, <laughs> you know, kind of fall flavors are definitely on my mind. Yeah. Um, we're talking to Howard Hanna, who's the, uh, one of the uh, chef and one of the owners at the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange. Uh, Ryan Maybe as well, who's a uh, co-host of Grill Nation and also involved with the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange, one of the partners in the, in the business. Um, so did this chef culture, I feel like in the last few years, it's really kind of become a huge deal. I mean, when you were growing up, I mean, how, when did you know you wanted to be a chef? I mean, I feel like now it's like there's these, these superstar chefs and actually people that are not in the industry have heard of them. And it's not, it's kind of cool. It's, is that something that's been going on for a while? And yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, like I, I feel like I was maybe the last generation of, you know, I'm, I'm 39 and I think when I started cooking and really fell in love with it, I still like went to the library and checked out cookbooks. You know, there were, there there wasn't, you know, food network was brand new and just starting out when I started cooking. Um, you know, and, and there weren't as many magazines and books and there weren't, you know, the internet wasn't really used as, as much. It was, it was around, but nobody used it the way they do now. There weren't all these food blogs and, um, there's just so much more access to information about uh-huh. cooking. Um, and that sort of developed like, you know, at the same time, guys, my age were learning to cook mm-hmm. and then really it exploded when, you know, chefs sort of became celebrities like that made yeah. it, I think a lot more interesting to more, a broader audience, but it also made it like, a respectable thing that parents wanted their kids to go to culinary school. And in, in the past they maybe would have said, you know, why don't you get a real job? You know, right. now it's like, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Being a chef is like a cool, really cool thing to do. Absolutely. Um, man, I never, I'm a terrible cook, Howard. So uh, I might need to take some of your classes or just watch you one day in the, in the, uh, 
in the restaurant. Um, I never had that talent, so um, I need to learn it at some point, right? I feel like once you, you once you hit thirty, I'm thirty six, so I feel like now it's like. <laughs> I guess I just go to the Rieger or something for yeah, dinner. That's what I was going to suggest. <laughs> just, come, just come to the sit, like, sit at the chef's counter and watch those guys on the on the line. It is it's the best seat in the house, and it's a lot of fun to see them in action. It's really it's really inspiring. Well, let's uh, make sure people know where the restaurant is. Uh, what's the address? It's at nineteen twenty four Main Street, so at the uh, crossroads of twentieth and Main in the crossroads. And uh, the great thing about it is you guys have a, a, f- a full like dinner menu, but you also have like a great happy hour as well that you can go to after work and get some really good food and bites. Yeah, the, the food during happy hour is fantastic. It runs from uh, from three to six, and the, the bartenders are, are spectacular. We've also had a, a lot of uh, attention uh, on the bar and the cocktails, and we take the same seasonal approach with that part of the business as well. So it's always new and exciting and, and different, and yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And when do you guys open every day? Uh, happy hour starts at 3, okay. Monday through Friday, and dinner starts at 5, Okay, Monday, Monday through Saturday. Howard Hanna, uh, chef and over the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange. Check it out. Uh, I love that place. I need to get there more, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks for coming on Grill Nation today, and uh, look forward to trying the fall menu, man. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Thanks a lot. I hope to see you soon. Thank you. Ryan, we'll be right back after the break with more Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us today on 988. First things first, I'm the realest. Realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down like I'm giving lessons in physics. Right, right. You should want a bad bitch like this. I just want to chill. Got a sack for us to roll. Married to the money. Introduced her to my stove. Showed her how to whip and now she remakes it for low. She my track queen. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation. You're listening to 980 AM and talk980am.com. You're also able to listen to us today on iTunes and TuneIn Radio through the podcast and also on grillnationshow.com. Appreciate you joining us. I'm your host, Jason Grill. We're back here for another great segment of Grill Nation. Uh, today we have uh, Ryan Maybe, who's a guest host and contributor to Grill Nation. He is from the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and Jay Rieger & Co., uh, Ryan, it's been a great show so far. Appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you supporting the show and uh, being Always a, a pleasure. quarterly guest on Grill Nation. Love having you on the air. We get some really cool uh, guests and stories, and you bring a lot yes, to the do. table. Um, thank you. want to thank also to our other partners and supporters of Grill Nation uh, with Jason Grill, Kretcher Hartland, Bank of Kansas City, The Bash Group, Andrew Bash, Kenny Hertz Perry Attorneys at Law, and John Kenny Hertz, Catalyst Government Affairs, and Danny Pfeiffer. Ob- obviously, again, the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and Jay Rieger & Co., and Ryan Maybe, Kansas City Power and Light District, and Two West Advisors, and Ryan Reek. Thank you for partnering up and supporting Grill Nation, and appreciate all of your uh, your great support as we continue to grow here on 980 AM and talk980am.com. Very excited for our next guest today. Um, Ryan, uh, as you know, is very connected in the... Uh, in the distilling industry, uh, in the whiskey industry, obviously, as more the recently, owner, yeah, yeah, more recently, as the owner <laughs> of uh, Jay Rieger and Co., um, we have on the line from Kentucky Dave Pickerel, who is a uh, senior senior engineer and master distiller at Oakview Spirits. He has uh, he's kind of a legend in the industry, right, Ryan? He's been uh, he is he is the man. If you want to know anything about how to make whiskey, he's the one you go to. And uh, we have him on the line right now, Dave. How are you today? Hey, good. It's good to be here. Thanks very much. Great to have you. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your background first. Tell us about kind of uh, your start and how you got into the uh, the industry here. I know you're uh, you're calling in from Louisville today. I uh, I love Louisville and uh, glad to have you on. So why don't we start with that? Just kind of talk about your your background and how you got into uh, 
the distilling industry. Oh, wow. Well, I'll give you the thumbnail sketch because the other one would take too long. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but basically, I grew up um, just outside of Dayton, Ohio, and, and from literally five years old, all I ever wanted to do was be a chemical engineer. And uh, But uh, um, we had this sad issue of needing money, which I'm sure most people can relate to, and, uh, and uh, ultimately, um, um, West Point offered me a scholarship to come to West Point to play football and offered me a degree in chemistry, um, which I took because um, it got me close to chemical engineering and then uh, was later invited back to be a professor at West Point and uh, in trade they gave me a master's in chemical engineering from the University of Louisville. Um, and while I was there, my mentor discovered that I had a, a I, I'm going to call it an idiot savant ability in distillation. Um, um, when we took the distillation final, I got a 99, and the next high score was a 35. Wow. And uh, and it's not that I'm smarter than anybody <laughs> else. It's somehow I can close my eyes and see molecules running around the still and know where they're going. And uh, um, and so when I got done with my professorship at West Point, I was just going to go be a chemical engineer. And and I called up Dr. Plank and asked him for a referral letter, and, uh, and he said, nah, not so fast, buddy. He says, I've never done this in 40 years, but I'm going to tell you where you're going to work. And uh, and you're going to like it, and they're going to love it. And there was this little consulting firm in Louisville called Rotec. They're long gone. But uh, all they did was beverage alcohol, and uh, they needed an independent-minded and uh, and good distillation engineer. I met with them. seemed like a fun deal. So I signed on, and for about six years, literally ran around the world building distilleries and parts thereof. Wow. And uh, um, and one day I was down at Maker's Mark. Uh, Bill Samuels walked out of his office, calls me over and goes, Hey, Dave, did you know that we're interviewing for our next VP operations and master distiller? I said, No, sir, I didn't. And he goes, Well, we are. And we have uh, exhausted our entire candidate pool, didn't find anybody we like. But we like you, and if you want it, the job's yours. That's and a great that thing my, to hear, right? <laughs> that was my entire interview. I think I stuttered for longer than it took him to ask me to do the job. Too bad it was just such a small little company like Maker's Mark. <laughs> well, and you know, when I first started consulting for him, it actually was. Um, when I started consulting for him back in the, the late 80s, Maker's was a, a little state brand. It would have qualified as a craft spirit. I think it was somewhere around 75,000, 80,000 cases. Wow. Um, 14 years after, inside, then I consulted for him for six years and then came on board for 14. When I left, they were the third best-selling bourbon in the country at over 1.3 million cases. So a little growth happened there. <laughs> yeah, and, and why do you, what, what was that because of, you think? What was the biggest reason why Maker's Mark grew so fast? Oh, they were, they were a one-trick pony focused on quality. And, uh, and, uh, and their message, and like a laser on messaging. They never never wavered you know okay we may be more expensive but we're worth it yeah and uh and 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 they delivered on that promise yeah and uh i'll tell you this i i'm not the i mean i'm not like a a ryan maybe over here when it comes to whiskey (laughs) but i drink it occasionally and uh i'll tell you this i drink uh i drink maker's mark and i drink uh, obviously jay rieger and co whiskey uh those are the two i have uh, a couple others but those are the two main ones i have in my uh my liquor cabinet, but uh, I mean, it's it had well, great branding. You're my new best friend, <laughs> <laughs> David, it had, it had great branding. You know, uh, Maker's Mark had a great bottle. I mean, the bottle is important to me. 
the look iconic. And, the look is is iconic, and obviously the bourbon is good too. Um, I always tell people that if you're if you're out to sell spirits, you need three things. Obviously, first you need a good product. Um, second thing is you need a good package, and the third thing is you need a good story. And and that, that those three things are linked together, kind of like a, like a, like seats, you know, legs on a three legged stool. Mm-hmm. And if you're missing one of them and you go to sit down, you know where you're going to wind up. <laughs> so you left Maker's Mark in 2008 and started your own consulting firm, Oakview Consulting. Uh, tell us about that. What's that transition been like for you? I'm sure you're traveling around and, and working with a ton of different companies. Oh, you know, it's it's absolutely a, a glorious time for me. I was I was built for this. I think um, um, it, it it gives me the opportunity. You know, um, I, I I say our mission is to put feet on dreams. And what I mean by that is, is if somebody needs help becoming a craft spirit producer, um, I want to be the guy that helps them to do it. And uh, so, whether it's you know lobbying the federal government to change rules and regulations, or or working with suppliers to make equipment um, function well at less at, at a lesser price, or 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 designing equipment and systems, whatever it takes. That's that's what my job is. And and uh, um, so, so when when companies um, start doing successful things um, as a result of me helping them out, it just it makes me feel like a proud papa. For sure, Dave. I got a, a quick question for you. You, know, you mentioned Maker's Mark um, uh, affectionately as like a one-trick pony that was focused on quality, and they built themselves into one of the biggest brands in the world. And with a lot of new startup craft distillers, uh, such as Jay Rieger and Company and all these other small craft distilleries around the country, it seems like uh, they're now starting to go to, well, we're, we're making this product really well. Let's also make a vodka. Let's also make uh, multiple products across the board. Do you think that's a mistake or do you think that um, do you think that's the next thing for a, for a startup distillery or should they follow the model of just trying to do one thing really well? Well, it's, it's- you know, the problem that most startups have is uh, is keeping the lights on, and uh, um, and so sometimes you know I refer to it as cash flow projects. Mm. Um, you got to do what you got to do to to be able to um, to to um, to pay for 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 your activity, and sometimes that means okay, you know. Um, like, like a uh, good example, Woodenville Whiskey Company out in, in uh, Seattle. Um, they just this weekend released their five-year-old 53-gallon barrel-aged bourbon. Um, up to this time, they've been releasing, they, they did a Peabody Jones vodka. Um, not because they wanted to, but because it, they sold enough of it to keep the cash flow going and, until they could, uh, um, until they could, uh, um, you know, get the good stuff out the door, and uh, um, so I'm okay with that. that yeah, you know, that's that's a that's a um, just a part and parcel. Sometimes you got to do things you don't necessarily want to do in order to keep the lights on. It's interesting because because uh, Maker's Mark is is such an iconic brand, and I always wondered myself, uh, you know, why they didn't come out with a, a second label, a higher end label, maybe a, a reserve that kind of thing, or not necessarily like venture into vodka or, or other. Uh, spirits categories, but uh, just why they never did anything uh, in addition to that single label. Well, eventually they did, but but uh, you know the thought always is um, if you have the if you have a if you have a, a you know if you have a you know a horse ride it, 
and uh, um, you know, and they were capable of of uh, of becoming the number three best-selling bourbon in the world by focus. Um, and uh, you know, if they diluted their focus, they probably wouldn't have gotten there. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, it's always a trade-off. If if, if you you know, it, it's just like uh, you know. American Pharaoh, you know, is a, you know, you, the, you know, if you're Bob Baffert, you don't pull him from the race and put another horse in just so you can see if you can do it again. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's kind of where uh, we're at with uh, with Jay Rieger and Co. We want to, we have ideas to do other products right now, but we want to make sure that we don't stray too far from our roots and and uh, and what's getting us to where we are right right now. So it's a balance. Yeah, and I, it, 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 it's always a balance, and and I, I think at the end of the day, the biggie is. Focus on quality, and uh, you know, and that's one of the things that I've been, you know, really pleased with. In particular, with Jay Rieger, is is uh, um, their ability to, to to stay focused on quality, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and so even though you know there may be you know two products out soon to be a third, um, each one of them stands in its own right as as an absolute top notch quality product, and and uh, you know, in blind taste. Um, hey Dave, people. we're Dave. We're going to okay. cut to break here. We're going to be right back on Grill Nation with Dave Pickle, who's the managing member and senior consultant, Oakview Spirits, and the former master distiller of 14 years at Maker's Mark Distillery. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us on 980 AM on talk980am.com and on iTunes and TuneIn Radio today. Here with my guest host and contributor to Grill Nation, Ryan Maybe from the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and Jay Rieger & Co. For our final segment today, Ryan, thanks for coming in today. Always my pleasure. Doing a great job. Uh, we're talking to Dave Pickerel, who's the uh, senior consultant at Oakview Spirits. Uh, he's also the former master distiller of... Maker's Mark, uh, famous brand, obviously a bourbon. He was there for 14 years. Also, was their VP of operations. He uh, he was uh, went to college at West Point and played football and uh, got an engineering or a chemical engineering degree and is a uh, very cool dude. We've uh, we've never had him on the show, so this is exciting to have him on the show to talk about bourbon. Uh, Dave, talk to us about your uh, George Washington project. Uh, talk about that background in the Mount Vernon project for us. Well, this you know this, this is really fun for me. I, I I think I've actually spent more time more years working with um, Mount Vernon than anything else I've ever done. Um, all the way back in, in 2001, um, the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S., the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers Association, and the Ladies Association of Mount Vernon all got together and decided it's time that the world knew that George Washington was a distiller, not just a distiller, but an incredibly successful one. And uh, we began doing um, um, little press um, um, stunts every year, starting in 2001, and uh, and graciously, um, Mount Vernon asked me um, if I would serve as their master distiller, and uh, so um, every time and um, so it, it started out just as a uh, um, kind of a um, you know once in a while kind of a project, and then uh, um, then as a um, then um, we started running it commercially um, every. Uh, uh, twice a year for about three weeks at a time, mm-hmm. and uh, um, so every time the stills turn on, I get to be there and run it. Nice, and uh, so it's quite an honor. Um, we're still using um, 
18th century means and methods, and uh, and we must be doing something right because every drop that we make is uh, is sold almost instantaneously. Dave, and, uh, were you um, able to actually get the original recipe that George Washington used? Was that on record somewhere? Well, it, it was. We had to forensically determine it. I mean, he was meticulous as a record keeper, but but the distiller didn't um, actually write down the mash bill. But what we were able to do is. We had we had unbelievable records of the grain purchases for the distillery, and the grain deliveries, and so we were able to break it down in groups, and say, okay, let's assume that during this period, that all of this was used, and then we get the percentages, and then we compare it to other periods, and we broke it different ways, and we were able to determine with a high degree of of uh, of uh, certainty that it was a, a 65 35 uh, mash bill. See, that would be 65. Corn? 65, uh, 65 uh, rye, 35 corn. Got it. Mm. Um, which would have been consistent with uh, um, a, a, a Maryland-style rye of that era. So, Dave, how are we going to get our hands on one of those bottles so we can try it here? Um, pretty much. <laughs> um, for the most part, you have to go to Mount Vernon and buy right. it at the gift gallery. Although, if you're in New York State, um, um, I have the, um, the authority to manufacture and sell... Um, sell it off-site, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is a listed product in New York State. That's cool. Um, Dave, you talked about, uh, you know, Ryan and I talk about all the time how this industry is growing, the craft distillery industry. Uh, how are you talking about legislation and whatnot? Are, are, are governments being more uh, receptive to this industry like they were with craft beer industry for a while? I mean, I feel like that kind of took off. Now we're seeing, as Ryan has mentioned many times, that this industry is kind of starting to take off. What's that like, uh, working with governments? Um, well, uh, for instance, the New York State government in particular is unbelievably favorable. Um, for instance, if you're a farm in a farmer in New York State, you have a manifest right to a distillery. Um, it's an unchallengeable right. I mean, no, you know, your next door neighbor can't say anything about it. Hmm. Um, the zoning commission can't stop it. Um, and uh, um, and as insane. long as you as long as you um, agree to that, seventy, I think it's seventy one percent of the feedstock for each individual product has to be New York State uh, grown, um, you can behave like a farmer, which means you can have a roadside fruit and vegetable stand and whiskey. Um, oh, and man. you can go to farmer's markets and sell your whiskey. And, you know, just anything you can do with a bell pepper, you can do with your whiskey, <laughs> um, which has, has led to an absolute proliferation of distilleries in New York State since that law was passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly in Washington State, um, the... Uh, the government got behind it, and they just exploded. Um, in Portland, there's, I think the last time I counted, there's 24 distilleries within 30 minutes of downtown Portland. Um, wow. I think, there's, I think there's something like 20 distilleries, 25 distilleries in Brooklyn, New York right now. That's, 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 that's crazy. pretty crazy because, yeah, I was wondering about that, and I, was, I haven't really talked to, to Ryan really about competition out there, but uh, it seems to be growing, right? Well, it's definitely growing. Um, Jay Rieger and company, when we brought that back last year, uh, we are actually the first uh, licensed distillery in Kansas City, Missouri since Prohibition, which would make us also the last one because uh, Jay Rieger and Co. died with Prohibition in 1920, and now it, it returned in, in 2014. And uh, we were the only, only ones as of last year, but already since we went to market in November of last year, there's already – two more distilleries in downtown Kansas City that are uh, uh, about to launch, that are very, very close. Really? Okay. So it is getting more competitive. The laws aren't, aren't stopping people here from, from starting their business? No, they're not stopping. And I, and I don't think it's the point of the government to try and stop that, although they do feel like 
they have they have a job to do for regulation, you sure. know, and so it's, they're not really trying to stop us. It's not necessarily that easy either, though. Yeah, it's not like in New York State. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dave, you come to Kansas City uh, once in a while, don't you? I do. Yeah, I, I, I try to get there as often as I can. It's a, it's a great city. It's a lot of fun. A lot of good friends there. That's great, man. Um, well, anything else we need to know? I mean, is there any advice you have for, uh, for people out there that might be thinking about uh, – trying bourbon or getting involved in doing something like this or starting a distillery? Well, I, I, I carry in my backpack excerpts from two of George Washington's notes. Um, in 1797, he, uh, towards the end of the year, he had, they, they, he had authorized his, uh, his plantation manager to build a trial still in the back of his cooperage. And it went over so well that, towards the end, that, that at some point in time in 1797, he authorized him to build a full-scale distillery. And so I've got an excerpt from what was essentially his year-end review of his plantation manager. Mm. And basically it says, you know, I've I, I got to give you credit for coming up with great ideas. The distillery in particular, that was an awesome idea. But you've got to bring it to fruition. It can't just be an idea. So basically he's saying, I approve the distillery. Now get it built. Mm. And, uh, right. and, then the, and then like within just a couple days later, I have another letter that he wrote to his, to his account, accountant. And that letter says, says um, it appears that I need more money for the distillery than I thought. Please bring all of my accounts in full. That's <laughs> shocking. That never so, happens. <laughs> so, uh, so, the, so I'm sure that, that when he chewed uh, his, Mr. Anderson out for not getting the distillery built, Mr. Anderson said, well, all right, but this is what I need. And, and George Washington went, oh, crap, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then went rounding up money to get it. So. So the concept of needing more money than you thought you were going to need is is has been around for over two hundred years. For sure, hey Dave. Real quick, I got a, a quick question since it's just you, me, and Jason here, and we're in, we're having a private conversation. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on our uh, young head distiller at J. Rieger and Co., Mr. Nathan Perry? Oh my goodness, what a keeper! Uh, <laughs> and Nathan is 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 incredible. Uh, you know he he, you know I'm always a little reticent to to uh, um um to to, um, you know, throw, throw in fully behind a, a guy who's got a beer background because sometimes they got to unlearn a lot of stuff. He's doing all right. Um, he's doing good. Hey, but, hey. but he's, he's doing incredible, and, uh, and I, I, honestly, I don't think you could get a better guy. Dave Pickrell, the senior engineer and master distiller at Oakview Spirits. You can check it out if you want to read his bio at oakviewspirits.com. Uh, thanks for coming on Grill Nation Show, and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon and talking to you, and hopefully we'll uh, see you in Kansas City someday soon. Well, thanks a lot. I really enjoy it. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for listening to Grill Nation. Ryan Maybe, Rieger Hotel, Grill and Exchange, and Jay Rieger and Co. joining us today. It's been a great show. Catch us next time on 980 AM and on talk980am.com. Have a good one.